Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and we have a full house tonight. I have Ash. Hello. I have Todd. Hello. I have Scott. Hey there. I have Rob. Hello. And I have the illustrious Chief. Welcome, Good evening. Bob. Good Thanks day. for coming back. Good morning, whenever you're listening. <laughs> Uh, we have got some uh, conversations to talk about this evening with uh, some inflated hose practice that we, we did earlier today, as well as a scenario for our Thursday's practice. But before we get into that, Scott, you got some news? Yeah, the fire we mentioned on September 13th. So how many podcasts ago was that? Two? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> for the, uh, it was a new Westminster pier that was burning, which is uh, a whole lot of logs full of creosote. Uh, so it took 10 days to put out. So it finally went out like two days ago. Not quite the Simpsons tire fire, but there's <laughs> 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 a Springfield dump, wasn't it, on fire yeah, for like hundred years? <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good. It's good that it's like, um, yeah, that's going to be a big rebuild project for sure. Many years. Uh, so let's start with the inflatable hose thing that we did today. So who wants to pick that up? Everybody's on the best behavior because the chief. Yeah, so we uh, went down to one of our uh, local lakes, uh, inflated um, a few and then a lot, up to eight lengths of two and a half inch hose with. Uh, air, not water, and extended them out onto the water to see, A, how well they would float, which we know it floats. We tested it uh, prior. We tested it in the pool again uh, a couple weeks back when we had our our, uh, pool practice there. And uh, again today, so hoses go out, uh, inflated with uh, air for buoyancy. We uh, secure a uh, PFD to the end of the hose. So the patient out in the water has something to grab onto um, and then you can bring them back in and so it's sort of a, a hasty option um, but what we were really trying to see was more for ice rescue so how well we can do this what it's going to look like for ice rescue um, I mean obviously we have you know swimmers that can go out in the water uh, but it was pretty cool to see we, we tried a bunch of different options uh we just did straight hose we did uh tethered and then we hooked a pike pole to the end of it to see if we couldn't fish hook the guy out of there (laughs) (laughs) is that actually the plan well it wasn't it wasn't not the plan (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) no it was just to keep the uh the last uh, 20 feet straight because we were having some issues with with yeah. the hose kind of curving off. I think that was our biggest issue. At about 100 and something feet, oh, mm-hmm. it started to pick up the current. Even though it's a lake, yeah. it still picked up the current. It started yeah. curving whether the, which way over the way the wind was blowing and curving away and then getting more and more curved and basically coming back into shore. So, right. um, 
Yeah, that was about the only biggest problem. The only problem we had of the whole thing. It's floated fine. Um, once we, you know, you, because Jason and I were out in that lake, once you guys got it to us, or when we swam closer to it and pulled us in, it was, that thing was great. It was, um, it just ripped us into shore. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, felt like Jaws getting, you know, like the guy in the Jaws getting pulled Yeah, you guys were almost up on plane. What's that? <laughs> when we were pulling you guys, oh, yeah. you guys were almost up on plane. Yeah, <laughs> it, was it was fast. Like, it was fast coming in. <laughs> So, like, see, that's a really um, beneficial thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was way easier to hold on to than, like, I could see you're holding on to a big hose rather than a tiny little rope. Yeah, throw throw your arm around it, really. Yeah. You know, choke it up to your body. It'd be yeah. a lot easier to hang on to that. Than yeah, because what I did, I actually ended up wrapping my legs around it like, um, like you're climbing a rope. Mm. And then I just kind of hugged it. Yep. And they pulled me in. Uh, I think that would be easier to do if you're exhausted from being in icy water or, or even cold water. Um, then trying to hang onto a rope or trying to loop a rope around your body or something. So, yeah, the horseshoe. We tried that little horseshoe thing too. That um, on one of the tethers, we got the, we got me inside the horseshoe of the like. So when the hose went out, it came out in the horseshoe kind of deal. And then we had the tag line over here. I'm, I'm doing this for Todd. So yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the shoreline guys pulled it in. So basically, I made the I made the. Um, Hose into uh, like a ring around me. Nice. And I just put my arms over it and pulled it back into shore. I think it might have worked well too if we'd have tried with a rescue swimmer taking it out, mm. uh, just looping your sure. arm through the PFD and, and swimming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can feed the hose out to them to mm-hmm. assist them swimming. And then right. uh, your patient out there has got something to grab a hold of uh, rather than grabbing hold of the uh, swimmer. Right. Yeah. Be good to try that again when we're a um, little bit of frozen water, yeah. but still with a lot of soft breaking spots yeah. to get some like you know ice, open water mm-hmm. ice, and yeah. see how well it works. Yeah, there's nothing to talk today. We're gonna come back when it's uh, when it's colder yeah. and uh, do some more tests. Mm-hmm. I think uh, <clears throat> from my perspective, from watching it again, that initial first kind of. 50 feet to 100 feet, it was going straight, no problem. As soon as we straightened up as well from the back, because the way we obviously always lay our hose is the kind of S formation all the way along. Yeah. For well, plus we had 400 feet of hose, and we had 400 feet of hose on the beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of exactly. <laughs> but as it was going out straighter as well, that was helping too. As soon as we kind of lined that up initially, that definitely helped mm-hmm. with, with that push. I don't know, Bob, you were pushing it with uh, Speedy there. How did you feel? It yeah, I, I felt that it was better... Once we got it lined up behind us as we were pushing it, but it still started to to veer off after you got ways. It's um... yeah, and it really only took two two cylinders, two yeah. not even full. That was a twenty-two, but one and a bit. Yeah, we had two two twenty-twos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we brought in a um, forty-five. Forty-five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once you topped it up with that higher pressure, it was perfect. Really. Yeah. And, like, we had, yeah, eight lengths out. Like, that was a lot of hose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I, I can see for an ice rescue, but maybe then you don't have to have such buoyancy, right? It doesn't need no. to be because it's going to travel, you would hope, a little bit better along uh, ice. along the ice, right? And all of our minds are, you know, kind of working in overtime. We're like, ah, what can we put on there? Can we put this? Can we put this? Like a fin? Maybe we'll, like, rob a ski off of, like, an old GT snow racer <laughs> <laughs> and strap that to the hose because then it's going to, you know, maybe travel straight. A spine board. Use yeah. that basket stretcher. Yeah. Um, the nice thing with that is, when you're sort of thinking about ice, is that 
depending on where that victim is in the ice, if they're out quite a ways, you can easily, with a couple of members, so you're not putting a lot of weight there. load on the ice, mm. go out there and deploy out there, yeah. right? And, and, and the, have yeah. enough yeah. people to pull. Yeah. And the great thing is with that, you can actually turn it off. So you can fill it, turn it off with the filler, like the filler nozzle, mm-hmm. uh, disconnect it from the air, and walk out with it. Yeah, it doesn't have to stay hooked up. Yeah. Which is cool. And then what we also found was you, if you wanted to add more links to hose, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out how to... Um, uh, and I, we were like, oh yeah, we, oh yeah, because we had eight links, and then we're like, okay, let's go down to three links because we were now we're testing some meals. Um, I, I don't know which one you guys thought of. I started talking about the uh, forestry uh, clamp. I'm like, oh, that's not going to be enough with the higher pressure because we started out with quite a bit lower pressure. Like you could really squeeze the line. I'm like, ah, maybe the forestry yeah. uh, clamp would work. It's and then we're like, well, why don't we just get the like get the actual clamp? <laughs> and the hose clamp. So we went and got mm-hmm. that clamped off the hose. Perfect. Barely bled off any any air pressure. Hooked up the uh, cap, topped it up with a couple extra psi, right back in the water. It was nice. I wonder if you could do that with a Cleveland. Take a Cleveland out on the lake with you. You can eat a little bit more. And inflate it out there. We need a we need a reducer. Uh, well, your yeah, reducer would be fine. We would need an uh, another end cap, cap, an end cap mm-hmm. that was an inch and a half. No, no. I think it would. I don't know how much buoyancy you have. The, the only problem sure. with that is once you take the end cap off, you're going to lose everything that's in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you're taking the strain right to try and pinch it out on the lake, that would be, yeah, would be a tough right, thing to do. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. for some. The, the, the way I looked at it was, yeah, if we have one swimmer, take that whole thing out. If there was a bunch of people out there that needed rescuing, I think it'd be great. It would be perfect. Mm-hmm. You could loop around six or seven people easily and pull mm-hmm. them all in with no no issues whatsoever. Yeah. With one swimmer, you could get out there with that line, take it out behind you and, and get that many people easily right. on the back end of it. Yeah. I was just thinking that if you have, picturing like, you know, people walking over from school, they cut across the ice, right? Usually two, three kids. If there's more than one um, yeah. victim in there, you get that deployed now Instantly, they have at least something buoyant to hang on to. Yeah. And it's cool because you, really you, you don't need dexterity in your fingers. You just stretch mm-hmm. your arms over it your arm yeah. and just float on it. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we keep playing with it. For sure. There's not a whole lot of, uh, I was trying to look on YouTube and stuff. There's not a whole lot on not, inflatable not a lot There's there. a couple. Yeah. A couple of little options, but mm-hmm. there's a company that makes something that attaches, similar to like the little sled we were talking about with some handles, but I guess I have a dentist. <laughs> we do have a Dennis dance. will make us something probably. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis is actually the one that made us those so caps. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Again, like we said, we will be doing another scenario for this in the winter, it sounds like. I'm not sure who's going in the lake yet. Probably Scott. I got my full dry suit, so. Perfect. Because the river dry suits probably wouldn't be so good because they don't have any feet <laughs> anymore. Damn. <laughs> so I got my full uh, scuba dry suit, so I'll keep my feet somewhat warm. Right. Yeah, so we will try again. We do have some video yeah, footage of that coming. Maybe I'll put that together. Yeah, oh, okay. You're sweating in them. Todd's coming up. Right. <laughs> have him get some on there, too. <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was our... That was our Sunday afternoon, um, but Thursday's practice was a big one there, Ash, right? And it was, was it your scenario this week? Yeah, I had some help from uh, Andrew, um, but uh, we didn't really have any plans for the last Thursday of the month uh, prior to the meeting. Um, so 
we didn't really have any plans. I kind of had this idea in my back pocket for a while. We were uh, training um, some of this prior to the scenario. And I'm like, oh, this would be a pretty good idea to loop this in. So we've got uh, a couple of burn buildings on our upper one. Um, it's like a walk-in basement. Uh, we've got a... 360 view actually on our Facebook of it. We, we do. Yeah, the models yeah. up there. So if you we want to have a look. Uh, yeah. Oh, the upper deck? I think we do. I yeah. think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you want to understand kind of what we're describing, you can go back and check that out. But uh, so it's uh, like a walk-in basement. Uh, we're double checking. <laughs> Live <laughs> keep, going, keep going. Keep um, <laughs> It's like a walk-in basement. Uh, we have a uh, Swede sort of rollover room uh, built where we're going to have our fire. Um, we do not. The reason was, at the time, we had, built a we had boarded ah, off. Ah, there we go. Yes. Right. Is I was like, no, we do have a suite. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Uh, so we had a fire set. We had a uh, vehicle fire set, which um, was kind of to A, draw people's attention, C, uh, some importance. What's more important, the house or the car? Um talk about exposures and then that car then spreading to the house so uh think about that and then we have as we were saying an upstairs level and there is a patient in the upstairs level so um yeah that was really the gist of it uh scott was away so i was or was going to be away so i was bouncing some of these ideas not all of them because all of a sudden he's like oh by the by i'm back <laughs> so i'm like ah well, I know what you're doing now. <laughs> so we had a small collapse when they were in there, which uh, um, brought out a media call. Um, but he wasn't... Like, we always kill a guy. We're like, oh, you just had a jammer. And, I mean, that's great. But that's almost what people expect. Except for this time, he's like, ah, my arm and my leg! <laughs> so now he's beating at him. Everything yeah. broken. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's so many broken things. So, um that was kind of the gist. More things got broken by the end, too. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> guy's. Thanks <laughs> care 101. No, the guys did pretty good. I mean, I think Life so. Life I was on the outside, but... Um, so we had uh, Bob as IC and uh, Rob as IC uh, coming in as duty officer and obviously chief going direct. And uh, Yeah, maybe you guys can talk about what you saw when you came in. Well, the first thing I saw when I came in is that Scott cheated and got there first. <laughs> Sounds about right. He was supposed to go for a drive. We went for a drive. Uh, well, and we parked. Uh, yeah. We were saving fuel. Yeah. So, uh, no, it was uh, a very realistic, um, typical bread and butter type fire. Yeah. Um, well, a little bit strange because there was a vehicle involved. Mm -hmm. Vehicle in the side of a house interior fire, fire in the vehicle, and then a victim trapped upstairs. Mm -hmm. So to me, uh, the big takeaway I got from it was how decentralized command really works well. Um, I just told Rob, okay, you're looking after the attack team. There's already a team in there. Uh, get some more guys ready. Uh, went around the other side. Um, Steve was there. Uh, Steve, just uh, get a ladder up. We're going to do a rescue out of that second story. And then I just walk away. Um, well, they're supposed to know what. <laughs> See you guys later. So, um, <laughs> yeah, got to go for coffee. <laughs> so, um, decentralized command assumes 
that everybody knows all of their jobs. To really be effective, uh, the IC, or in our case, the chief, has to be um, confident and secure in their job, and not afraid to let other people do the job for fear that somebody's going to get some recognition and, uh, and be afraid that, oh, uh, they're not going to think I'm doing my job because they're getting the attention because they're doing their job. So that's, that's one of the drawbacks of decentralized command. Uh, if you're micromanaging, all the attention is on you as a chief. If you can allow the other officers to do their job and just give overall instructions, um, I think we call it command intention. So my intention is to uh, put out the fire. My intention is to rescue uh, the victims. My third intention is let's have some uh, trucks bringing water because we don't have hydrants. Uh, let, next, uh, let's put out that car fire. Um, if you can, if you can trust the officers that you're working with, and that trust is based on training. So are they well trained? If yes, trust them. Then it takes a step down from there. The officers have to trust the firefighters that they're working with based on their training that, hey, I want you to go in and do an attack on that fire and leave it at that. Assuming or trusting that they know what they're supposed to do and how to do it. You don't have to babysit people if you've got them well-trained. We're not talking about uh, freelancing. Everybody got a job. I gave jobs to everybody. And, and then I just sort of stood back and walked kind of half circle. How are you Say doing? Everything okay? in your field. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like a farmer. Like a farmer. Outstanding in my field. <laughs> So I'd go over to Steve and say, how's that going? Good. Need anything? No, we're okay. Come around the other side. Rob, how's it going? Need anything? No, we're okay. Well, let's maybe get another attack team ready to go in as soon as we can. Um, water? Hey, want water? Make Just make sure everybody's got water. You're the tender operator. Just make sure everybody's got water. I don't have to tell you how to do it. I don't have to tell you where to set up a tank to flow water. Just, just hey, we need water. Look after it. Uh, to me, that's how decentralized command works. Um, you give people jobs and then let them do it. Don't get in their way. Sure. Uh, on a side note, I, I was thinking today. Or, yeah, yesterday I was at the training ground because I'm trying to figure out the problem. Because whenever we have a, a practice night and we do a scenario, what always happens is every truck comes within the first 30 seconds. And then sometimes sometimes the engine gets ahead of the chief. and Because uh, we, we try to drive around, and we kind of, like, obviously I kind of knew what was going to happen, so I knew we needed to stay close to the training ground because I didn't want, we didn't want, like, the rescue truck to get there first. We needed an engine, preferably the first engine to get there. Because I needed to be going inside because of what's going to happen, what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, but I was thinking, because what usually happens is um, whoever gets there, like, all these trucks just start pulling in. 
and the ICs. Now he's like swamped. Like, cause that's not really realistically how a right. fire goes. So today I'm thinking while I was driving yesterday, um, we have an obstacle course for driving setup. So uh, what I was thinking is that if the command vehicle drives straight in, drives straight up to the fire for next time or whatever we do, whatever scenario is at the training ground, straight to the, straight to the call. And the engines have to go around, have to maneuver around <laughs> the obstacle course. <laughs> and that'll slow us down by a good couple minutes. Right. And then, so each engine will have to slow down. Yeah, yeah. As it arrives. So that'll spread us out more and it'll get us, it'll be a more realistic us of, of arrival times. That was my thinking. It would have been nice to have been Bob and I. Yeah. <laughs> first on scene. That way we could have at least had that whatever 30 second. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do, what do you think about this? Well, how about this? And by the time I got there, no, Scott, Scott and his team were already at the door with the fan ready to go inside. And it was like, okay, well, that's happening. Uh, and of course, like like Ash said, getting the car fire set up, being kind of one of my first, we'll call it first incident commands, I focused on that car fire. Right. And Scott was like, no, 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 don't worry about the damn car. We're going in the building. Okay, we'll do that. So, yeah, just that... <clears throat> You know, a couple of seconds to have a quick yeah. chat and get a get on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only reason why is because uh, when it came in, when you when Ash called it in, um, it was already well in the building. It's hard to see in a burn building how well they established the fire is, right? Yeah. Um, you had said that it's already carried into the building and it's already like I forget what you had, a room involved or whatever inside the building. Yeah, we had a fully involved car fire that has um, transferred into a. Um, a fully involved room content. So it was already transferred in and developing into the structure. So uh, So that's what I was like. Trying to paint that picture like it was really progressing inside as well. So that's when I was like, okay, we got to worry about the house, not the Mm -hmm. car. Because obviously if it was a car fire against that building, we would hit the car fire first if it hadn't transferred into the room yet. Yeah. So, um, so obviously Bob, you had, you had overall IC and then, Multiple different teams. How many? How many teams did we have working it then? Well, we had uh, initially the one attack team that went in. They were kind of a joint attack and search team, and uh, then we had the um, the VIS team on the second floor. Uh, then we had uh, the rescue truck doing the uh, car fire. And the uh, tender, supplying water to both. Then, one of our firefighters, I, I believe, carelessly leaned on a wall that was not structurally sound. <laughs> and, uh, and the wall collapsed on him. I don't know if that's what happened. <laughs> I got tapped on the shoulder. Lay down. And I got a pallet thrown on my head. <laughs> Way more realistic. <laughs> So, so in the midst of all of that, then we get this mayday call. And um, we did discover at that point in time that our radios don't work top-notch in these situations. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really tough to hear what was being called. Um, But we immediately sent in a a RIT team uh, with the... uh, all the RIT equipment, mm-hmm. air pack, and uh, I just said, follow the hose till you get to the guys and then do whatever you can to, for them. Um, and 
and simultaneously we got the second attack team at the door ready to go in. Uh, as soon as the team was out of the way, dealing with our down firefighter, they went in and, and uh, continued to put out the fire. So, all in all, we had how many guys? 22, I counted. 22 involved yeah. in the scenario, and then mm-hmm. a couple yeah. guys, like Ash was obviously not in the scenario, but yeah. so yeah. 24, 25 guys on the scene. Yep. So, it sounds like this was one of those scenarios that hit basically the majority of skills that we generally use. Again, going back to our firefighter exam, you know, when we're talking through the, the car fire stuff, that wasn't obviously on there, but fire attack in the mm-hmm. sense of how to approach, where to approach, what angles, etc., etc. But then, obviously, we had forced, forced, forced entry. Uh, no forced entry. Upstairs. Oh, was it? Yeah, we, no. we did a forced oh, okay, entry sorry. up to I, yeah, I actually, kicked I was... the shit out of the door to make sure it like, oh. went into the jam. You oh. couldn't just push oh, it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so once there you go, the... Entry too. Yeah. <laughs> um, once the um, initial victim was found and taken out the uh, second story window down the ladder, that ladder team that rescue team moved around to the end of the building where there was a balcony. and But no stairs. But no stairs on the exterior. Like a walkout bedroom balcony. Yeah. There are stairs, but we... But yeah, we were just told we're no not allowed to use them. Yeah. Right. Uh, so then they had to go up and breach the upstairs door um, so they could bring the downed firefighter up the stairs, mm-hmm. out the balcony, and then down off of the balcony. And the reason why I was brought upstairs is because uh, the collapse that happened downstairs was um, um, they were they were told by Andrew that they can't go back out the way they came in mm-hmm. because the collapse was getting too severe. So they managed to get themselves in, but to get me out, they would have been too dangerous. So they had to go up back up the stairs, yeah. which just made it more overall difficult. So how did they get you down the ladder? Well, let's get, talk about how they got me up the stairs first. <laughs> <laughs> So that was um, the <laughs> there's, there's some improvising going on there, and uh, it actually the six foot ladder would have came in handy, or a new ladder, but it was not currently installed on the truck. Um, so they grabbed the attic ladder, and Matt had a pretty good idea. The, uh, they brought me up on the first landing, which is only like three feet off the ground, and then they cut the angles, and then I was going up the the longer run of stairs. So they laid the attic ladder on the stairs, and I think what their plan was they were going to lay me on the attic ladder face down, and then drag me up. Um, I don't know if they had straps. I couldn't see because I was laying, laying on the ground screaming, right? Because I'm busted up shoulder and shoulder and leg, I think is what I said I had. Um, so they start dragging me up the stairs. And we don't we haven't practiced this before because this is, uh, you know, just sh- sh- go on the fly kind of thing. And good thing we did it this night because what happened is uh, my tank overbalanced me. And I fell off the ladder and I rolled down the stairs. <laughs> and my arm might have got caught in something. I was like, ah, my arm's going to break. <laughs> and that was kind of funny. But then they quickly fixed that. They, they got rid of the ladder. And then um, I actually mentioned to them, well, cause through my screaming, I was like, loop my tank. Because we hadn't actually trained. We haven't trained getting uh, down firefighter upstairs in a while. And so, yeah, up the stairs. We train all other sorts. We train drags, we train carries, we train out windows with ladders, but we haven't trained going upstairs. Um, so actually, if you take a, if you take the loop of your rescue strap and go under the, um, like, get the guy in a seated position. So he's basically sitting on the stairs looking down. If you loop the um, strap around the base of the tank, the mm-hmm. base of the cylinder, and then two guys can actually go on, or one guy, well, two, it's best with two guys because it's dead weight. Um, and then they basically lift... 
So now, basically, one step at a time, I they bring my my butt up on the next step, and then the guy in front of me just kind of makes me makes me don't fall over. So once they got that going, he had a pretty good system. So it was like step, 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 and you know I was up pretty fast. Mm-hmm. That uh, that sounds interesting, like the removal process. I like the yeah. idea of it, you almost. So you have a firefighter either side of you with that rest, that one single rescue strap, that rescue strap going in either side of your tank. Yeah. And then they're just lifting you up. One and you did that with one guy, too. Like, one guy could do it. Yeah. yeah. But it was just easier because they had two guys on me, behind me. So. As long as you have space, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so once they, they once they got that, they had me upstairs pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. So how did they get you down the ladder? All right. So then uh, they pulled me out on the deck. And uh, <laughs> the other thing, they didn't pass on the injuries to each other. That was only a, um, so one of our newer guys... Uh, he starts reefing on my arm, trying to get my uh, like, trying to take my pack off to get me on this on the um, um, basket basket stretcher. Um, so, because the, yeah, they're trying to get me on the basket stretcher, so he's he's taking my air pack off, going over my my busted shoulder, and I'm like, ah! So, he's like, what's going on? It's like, my arm's broken, you idiot! No, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so right away they stopped doing that, and they they treated me a little bit more patient care. Um, <laughs> so actually at first they were very good because I was still technically in the in the warm zone so they actually took my um, my my pack and put it on my chest and laid me, on, laid me on the um, basket stretcher and then drug me closer to the edge of the building where it was less smoke and then they took my mask off and then they because they, they actually needed to take my tank off me uh, to get me down the ladder because what they ended up doing was um, putting uh, the roof the roof ladder on an angle because we're on, we're on the top of a sea can, so sea can's like nine feet tall. So they put me on, a, they put that roof ladder on an angle, on a, you know, on a, what, what angle was it? I don't know. I was in, I was in the stretcher. 60. Yeah. 60 degree angle? About that. Yeah. And then one of the guys, very smartly, got the other roof ladder and put it down, but halfway down the, the ladder. So now there was a, so it was a steep angle, and then there was a half, of, then there was about a 40 degree angle, I'd mm-hmm. say. So basically it was like two kind of, like two separate... Kind of tracks. But they use the the hook hook to secure that. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, did they have me on a rope? Yes. And just Mm -hmm. just body blade me or what had they? They, Yeah. I I asked today. Jason said yes. That they're just body Uh blade the the line down. Yes. So I I can't really see much because I'm in the basket stretcher. And And what did you think they were getting set up for? I thought they were getting (laughs) set up for uh, a hinge rescue, (laughs) which we show on our YouTube Mm -hmm. page. Yeah. I thought they were getting ready for a hinge rescue. Um, but they they weren't, and I was like, "You guys are doing this wrong if you're doing a hinge rescue." And I was already a little gun shy since I got dropped down the stairs a minute ago. <laughs> and Jason's like, "Don't worry, we got a plan." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> so they sat there. I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, by the way, it was my birthday this day." So I was, <laughs> I was very paranoid. I was very concerned. I was gonna get the, <laughs> the end of the road. <laughs> dropped and hosed or something. I don't know. Um, so they had, then they had to slide me down, and one thing they had to watch out for, and good thing they took the cylinder off my chest is because the um the railing of the burn building they slid me under the railing and uh it's made out of steel so we didn't want to cut it like if this is a real house mm. if it's wood we would just hack the railing apart but um i had to go underneath the railing so i like the tip of my nose was brushing the railing as they were taking me over the, the lip yeah. i saw guys were in there with their gloves like doing a, some pretty good facial protection yeah so, yeah, so they then, were being pretty cognizant of that yeah. after they Three down <laughs> which goes back to like uh, why we use a live patient, not not a dummy. I mean, we use a dummy for the one thing. Yeah, um, they always get treated a little bit 
Maybe they get treated nicer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they go. I mean, they're not not as realistic though. Like if if you have the lighter bag one, yeah. But uh, if you're using like the big rescue Randy, oh, those things are like two hundred foot pounds, and then yeah. with the pinch points, yeah. they're just not realistic. It feels like a rigor mortis sitting yeah. on the thing. Yeah, yeah. very very hard to use. Yeah, yeah. Those new ones we have with uh, pea gravel in it. Yeah, they're more yeah. like dead weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they took me down. Uh, one of the guys was waiting there at the bottom with the AED, just in case. Yep. And then uh, I was miraculously healed. <laughs> <laughs> so, sounds like everything went well. Bob had mentioned there that uh, there was a couple of things that, or in, in Rob actually too, which we picked up from the training. We understand now that the radios obviously have some issues. Radios always have issues. They do. And it's one of the things we actually, we kind of talk about in the sense that communications obviously on the the fire ground is key, but it's also the one thing that tends to fail more often than everything else real quick. When the the amount of noise is going on, it's hard to hear, hard to get hold of, especially when you got your your structural gloves on. The whole thing is just a messy pain. We we did um, partially overcome that by having one of the members up when we were doing the rescue part of mm-hmm. our down firefighter, uh, we had one of our members up on the balcony, kind of relaying mm-hmm. um, information back and forth and using his hands, want to, want for, yeah. this way, that way, um, which was very effective. You know, we would yell at him and he'd run over and yell at them and, mm-hmm. and back again. It, it helped. It was not perfect, but it helped. Yeah, yeah. Even on the initial attack before I fell, because I was I'm the I was the officer for the attack line. Um, even before we I uh, I got pinned, um, I was going up and down the line like we train. Um, I was following the line out, and I'd go out and talk to Rob. Then I go back in, check on the guys, go back out, check check on the um, the guy running the fan because we were short. Of, we were running short on manpower, so I wanted him to move up. I actually needed a bump up guy because we were getting into a whole bunch of tight pinch points. So I ended up being the bump up guy. But I was trying to get him off the fan to at least check, cover the door for me. Um, and then, because um, the fan, we were in kind of dirt, so the fan was pretty stable. And then um, then when I went back in one more time, the fire started, because we, we knocked the fire down twice. Like, we knocked it down. We, we crawled in, used the um, the glow of the fire to do our search, rather than hitting it right away, because a lot of times that darkens it down too much and you can't do your search effectively. So we, we looked at the fire real quick, uh, did, our, did a search using our visual, and then knocked it down. And then checked again. Went into another room, and then as I was coming back up the second time, it's kicking off again the fire. So we got the guys to hit it again. And then the third time I went to go um, ask Rob for a secondary line. When I came back in to tell the guys we had the second line, but the fire's kicking off again. That's when I got. Mm-hmm. That's when the writ uh, thing happened. <laughs> but it was back and forth on the line, rather than trying to relay stuff by radio. I was just coming back out because really, even a single family home doesn't take very long to walk down a hallway or crawl, even crawl on a hose right. line to the outside to talk to the um, IC that's out there and then crawl back in. Because um, the radio is like, I was calling a bit on the radios, but, you know, it's like, there's no, not too much you can say on the radio that they have people understand over the CBA. and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, It's easier for me to come out and like, okay, there's a bill, there's a room here and I'm using my hand and like, we're doing this, we're doing that. And, yeah. Rob, and, and Rob knows what the burn building looks like anyway, so yeah. he knew what I was talking yeah. about. <clears throat> like even the main A, you know, Knowing that this was going to be coming, I could hear the mayday, 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 but I'm looking around, and I, I know both of Rob and Bob were like, uh, what was that? 
I think you even said, he's like, I, I think he, he's asking for yeah, more water. For I heard, water. I thought I heard water, water, water. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe something happened with the pump. But I'm like, Ugh, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> and, and then, then it came yeah. over much clearer the second time because I think when you asked, uh, can you repeat that? And it was slow, as clear as you could over all the shit. Um, but, and again, like, we're doing these comms inside of a metal building, echoey as shit, with a fan going, a fire going. I mean, a real house has better acoustics. <laughs> I don't know if it's better. <laughs> it's, it's a small... Yeah, well, the, mm-hmm. the other factor is, uh, for us outside, uh, we've got the fan is running. Mm-hmm. The, the truck is... That's like five engines running. 20 feet away. Another truck is 20 feet away. Both of them are running. <clears throat> the water tender is is backing up with its beeper going and and uh, the engine running. The rescue truck is over there, and he's got his thing going full speed and his pump going because it's yeah. an independent pump. So there's all this noise. It's really tough to hear. Yeah. I think, too, in being clear with communications is if you don't understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to say, did not copy, please <clears throat> repeat. Absolutely, yep. Um, which the second time Kevin said that, mayday, 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 it came through a lot clearer, able yeah. to understand what he was, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, move on from there. And yeah. it got you to stop and, <clears throat> like, like double listen. Yeah. Like, you're always trying to listen, but when there's people talking to you, things happening, it was, like, I knew what it was because I was anticipating it. But if you were in the moment, I could see how easily that was lost. But once you, hey, get not, you know, get in copy, please uh, repeat, it was much clearer, and you guys were on it immediately. It was really good. So let's uh, let's talk through just briefly that that mayday call. So when that mayday call came in, what were the discussions going on outside of the building between you guys? Well, I knew I had Matt and Mike uh, as my RIT team. And they were in the midst of doing their 360 of the building. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember where the RIT tarp and equipment was getting set up. Um, I don't know if they even had a radio with them to begin with, too. Um, so I had to track them down for the, the Mayday mm-hmm. call. But once they got in, they grabbed the RIT bag. They grabbed a rope bag, clipped the rope bag onto the PPV, and in they went and did their, did their search. Um, so it happened fairly quickly. Yeah, they were pretty fast. It was deployed really quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the RIT team got deployed pretty quickly. I think the other thing that could have happened a little bit more quicker was either uh, before them is have that second attack team or after they got in is get that second attack team at the door or to go in and assist or yeah. at least knock down the fire. And that was something mm-hmm. as well. Um you know, with uh, Scott's team going in, obviously they're not going to extinguish the fire because there's still a lot more to do. Um, there's more important things because we knew that there was a, a potential victim inside the building. So just to focus on the fire, I mean, you could be steam killing whoever might be in there. So, you know, resetting that clock, giving yourself some time, great. When, when there's a mayday, all non-essential stops. Well, the building burning to the ground is pretty essential. Because <laughs> everybody's now in it, right? So the importance of getting that secondary attack team in there to come and take care of that now, yeah. and maybe not extinguish, but just keep it at bay so it's not spreading further, uh, is was really key. And, you know, I know we did get it going, and it did, it did, it did happen. Um, I, I don't know how much of a delay we had. There was a little bit, but, I mean, 
When, when we say we had 25 people there, there was a moment where nobody didn't have a job, and it was right about then. Once the media was called RIT activated, we were getting ladders thrown up to the balcony to get that portion happening. There was like, there was uh, vehicle drivers getting pulled, and like they were doing, there was everybody working. Yeah, that really went to the, and that's one good thing about having taking it up the stairs. Because mm-hmm. usually if you do a straight, you know, the nearest exit, because I was actually right by a window, which I think the RIT team actually mentioned, right, to you? And then, but you weren't really sure, so you sent them through the hose. Yeah, I, I, they said, well, we, we could go around the other side. Uh, they might be near the window there. Which, uh, which I, I feel they wouldn't let you take me out the window. You probably wouldn't have gone out the window. You wouldn't have point. let. You wouldn't have let me go out the window. In, in the scenario wise. In the scenario wise, um, because they would have been coming back through the collapse was was the right. idea. Yeah. Right. yeah. Anyway, I I wasn't sure where it was, right. and they weren't really confident that mm-hmm. there was a, a point of of entrance and egress there. Yeah. So I said, just follow the line. Just mm-hmm. follow the hose. Find the guys. Once you found them, figure out where you're going to take them to. So, so back to that. It was uh, it was good because usually we you know we either follow the hose in or we take them out the nearest exit, um, and normally that take, only takes a couple minutes. So yeah. really, the, there's not too many more guys involved. Um, but as we know, it takes a lot more people than than just the two. So the the first two guys are we kind of treat them like the recon team. They go in, yeah. they recon the air, um, they they um, top up the person's cylinders in the rip bag. And then they, uh, they they package. Even though Kevin actually packaged me while I was laying there, which is mm-hmm. what, he, what he's supposed to do because he's my kind of my partner. Yep. Um, so he packaged me while um, while the red team was coming in. So I was already, which which means we he submarine strapped me and got me ready, um, checked my air, and let the red team know that I was mm-hmm. under half. So I'm watching my air because that was one thing I was doing. I was laying there watching the uh, watching the air go down because I'm still in a burn building. I'm like. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. My leg really isn't that broken. I can really leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started ringing. So Kevin and, and Gus started ringing. I'm like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, I watched my gauge start going back up because now the red team came connected to the mm-hmm. um, universal red connector and filled my tank. Um, and then, and then once they the red team started moving, now they're starting to get tired because they have to drag me up some stairs. So then more hands and more hands and more hands. And by the end, probably 15 different people. And up handling me all the way down. Yeah. Which is, that's really more realistic to what a writ scenario looks that's like. That's right. Not, Absolutely. Not two guys, yeah. And that was kind of the idea going into it, is to see an accurate representation. Because, like we say, it's generally basement floor, drag the guy out, now we're doing CPR. Yeah. This is more of an accurate, he's not dead, he's yeah. fine. He's still, you know, completely awake and alert and, you know, broken a bit, being a bit of an ass because everything hurts. Yeah. That's hopefully touch wood more of what we're going to see if we ever get that kind of a media call um but getting them out is also more of an accurate and, it's and, be and i really mass. you know i really wasn't trapped about either like they just pulled the pound mm-hmm. off me like if it was a real roof on top of me there would have been uh, more work yeah cause like quite some time ago i think where you, i think Tom, you were still in when i built that roof that was like i made i made this roof structure that was like a thousand pounds and laid it on top of the dummy oh yeah yeah and then we uh the guys had to actually bring in rescue tools like the mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, the ultra tools actually like the spreaders. Yeah, yeah you were. Yeah, yeah. They, we had to spread. They had to spread the the roof to get the dummy out. We didn't put a real person underneath. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Tell Judge. Yeah. yeah, well, just kind of all of the above. I mean, you're hitting on a lot of the points that I was thinking about. So, you know, you mentioned about the manpower, and I think that's that's so huge because as soon as that mayday call um, gets called out, like we were just saying, there's so many things that's happening. You know, 
Bob, as I see, he's he's going to be getting you know a, a accountability report from everybody, you know, a status report of what they are, what the teams are. People are going to be coming in, and and now you've got that RIT team, like you said, that other attack team. Everybody's going to be reassigning these jobs and these roles. You said got the pump operators coming in now, doing other tasks. So that changes everything so much as an instant commander, as far as well. You know, you just had all these guys scattered out on these pumps and maybe the other the Charlie side, etc. But now everybody's coming back to me. We're getting new assignments. What that RIT team has already established, what you said, Sparky, with the um, second means of e- egress, and there's just so much happening all at once. Like you said, that 25 guys, everybody's got a job. Yeah, so then, quickly. And then as Scott was saying, the two guys that he was in with, their bells start to go off. They got to go out and get That's repacked. So those I don't know. Who, I don't know whether they got their air bottles changed and came right back in, or somebody else came mm-hmm. in. No, because I think uh, Kevin was the guy giving you hand signals from the roof. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah I don't think he came back mm-hmm. in at all. No, I think he got out um, at that <clears throat> point. Once they started to ring, uh, I think it was JP was at yeah. the upstairs door, got the door breached, which was really good. Um, a new rub. And then new Rob came in, uh, which was really cool. So we got to see some of the rescue stuff there, yeah. the uh, force entry stuff there, uh, and. All of our rookies were there, excluding one, which is good. Um, and yeah, new Rob, actually, he, after the practice, he came up and said, "You know what? Like all of our training up until this this point was awesome, but I didn't have the confidence to put it to work. Now, seeing what we've done and being involved in it, says I've got a lot more confidence. Like this is." As close mm-hmm. to real as you're going to get. Like, we try to make these scenarios as real as possible. He says, now I've got, like, you know what? I feel like my natural instincts off of the train that, that mm. we just did, I feel like I am an asset, not a liability. Uh, and that's what we want to see. So guys get the confidence to get, just, you know, get on the truck and go. Yeah, you put, you get that training, and then when you put it all together and mm-hmm. see how it works, it, it gives you a better understanding of, well, why did we train to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, then you see it in operation in a bigger right. scenario and you think, oh, okay, I get it. I understand it now. Yeah. And with the training, like we said, <clears throat> we talked a lot in the past about that, you know, that stress inoculation and working in that environment, like you're, you're running at real time. You're, you're moving. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're just standing back and talking about it. And, yeah. then, and then, well, okay, let's go try this. Maybe this is this is no. We've we've got our instant action plan, and then we're going. Like Bob's given us the direction. We know the intent. Away we go. And um, you know those guys working their ass off, eating through the air bottles. Now they're going to know. Well, when I'm working that hard, this is how long the air is lasting. These forty fives are not forty <laughs> in that written environment. Like you said, next thing you know, that next team needed air. So you think of the time and the manpower you need to cycle guys through. And then as an instant commander, you know, you need to be thinking of that time and those PAR reports of, okay, what, you know, constantly doing those reports, personal accountability reports, as far as, you know, what's your status, how far are you in that rescue, and what's your air, yeah. 50 plus, 50 minus, et cetera, right? Because now Bob needs to be thinking, oh, shit, they're 50 minus. I got no extra guys in the moment. Now I need to start cycling other people around, right? So mm-hmm. for us as firefighters or as officers in there, we need to keep an eye on our air and our team members' air, right? Yeah, super important. And that's actually something I was going to touch on. So, uh, and it's a great point, the officer comment there. 
Obviously, we've changed things up so that our officers now are a key member of whatever teams are going internal, um, as well as our external team. So we've always got those eyes that then come back again to the chief, have that conversation to the IC. So they're that relay point. So did we utilize that same prospect well, and understanding we but, there? but the officer was the one who crushed the guy. Perfect. Which, I mean, we did that one other time. We maybe mm-hmm. should stop always killing the officer off because maybe oh, the yeah. officer needs to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most likely one. It's probably not. <laughs> the only reason why I say that is because I'd like to see the officer actually um, follow through. Take a step back. Yeah. Look around, make a call, like rather than him being on the ground and making a, another guy have to do this, you know, mm-hmm. making, um, like Kevin took over right away. As soon as I was down, he, he took over because mm-hmm. he was now um, the next senior guy in there. So he took over uh, and called the media and all that stuff. But at the same time, and I did the same, you know, when, when we, yeah. when I killed Ash, quote unquote, in, uh, in the elementary school, um, again, our senior guy took over yeah. and did, did everything right. But, um, I w- we should make the officers, that, uh, we yeah. should have a, a firefighter go down and I want to see how the officers react mm-hmm. because they really shouldn't be getting, um, Involved. sucked into the, into the yes. scene. They should be, they should be doing that. They should be stepping back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also good to see those other senior members yeah. step up, you know, step yeah. up and, and and grow as that team oh, for leader, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And again, important. I'll go ahead, Bob. Yeah, the, the other thing, we were down three officers. Yeah, because two were in... Two, two were instructing in this, and one mm-hmm. was away, so... Yeah. And then one was, <laughs> one was and, a guy and in the one was, one was injured, <laughs> yeah. But that, that being said, That's, an average call, you're yeah. going to get two officers, one going direct, and... Chief going direct, right? Yeah. So when you look at it that way, we had. Um, it was so, a very realistic yeah. response to Man a very wise. realistic call. Yeah, but I think even on that point, Ash, like you're saying, you know, it, it, when that when that pager goes off and we are all called to these these different scenarios and scenes, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know who's coming and we don't know the situation of how many people we're going to have. Yeah, and like Bob said, the the key is that decentralized command portion. If you do not have enough officers, you need enough people that are trained to the highest levels that they can be mm-hmm. to ensure they can take the reins, understand their roles, pick up those leadership spots when they need to, regardless of the color of their hat at the time, and make sure that things get done in a timely manner. And it seems like we have that kind of a crew, again, through the training that we've implemented. Mm-hmm. And again, even with new guys turning around and giving us, the, the, you know what? I had all the pieces of the puzzle, and now I understand how each one can fit together yeah. to create the outcome that we all want. Exactly. It's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Really good thing. You know, this scenario could have went lots of different ways because mm-hmm. we never know who's going to show up mm-hmm. on practice night. It's mm-hmm. not like they're paid to come. Well, they are, but they're not. <laughs> they don't, they're not. It's not a full-time job where they have to yeah. be there. Um, so uh, well, 7.20. Yeah, 7.30 is practice time. Ash goes to me, he's like, we're barely hitting the hitting the grade for doing this scenario tonight. Yeah. We have like 10 guys here, 12 guys, I think 12 mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. And then, of course, 10 minutes later, we had 22 guys. Yeah. So we no, were good. good. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but and again, that's how you, we, when we plan scenarios, we have to plan them for worst case. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, structure uh, fires don't wait for everybody to be yeah. here. So we plan them for but, what we'd get on a daytime call. Mm-hmm. Maybe seven or eight guys initially, and then mm-hmm. uh, more guys would show up. Or possibly mutual aid would show up, but yeah. we plan it. So when we do, when we plan these scenarios, we always have to plan for worst case scenario. That's right. Well, what's interesting to think about is the more manpower we could have used if it was a bigger structure fire, mm-hmm. because we did have that BEIS team, which may have needed a RIT team if something happened there. Mm-hmm. Plus, we had the search team, 
which you could have needed a RIT team if something mm-hmm. happened there. Yep. Plus a backup RIT team for when the RIT team went in. <laughs> <laughs> so, we I mean, the, 20, <laughs> I mean the, the, the 20, 22 guys that we burned through, because I was looking around for somebody to do something, and I had to grab a truck driver or a pump operator to grab me something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you burn through a lot of guys real quickly yeah. in those situations. I think that comes back to what we've discussed in the past is, we always have to think about that, that call for mutual aid. As much as we all want to take care of our own when that moment happens, when you think if this is a true, okay, yeah, this guy's trapped, trapped, and now we need to get somebody out, we know how long it's going to take, how many men it's going to take, and we saw that other objective of putting the damn fire out yeah. safely, not the building mm-hmm. up collapsing around us, yeah. is now we have to start making those calls early and going there. And then back to another topic we've discussed about is more mutual training. Amongst yeah, yeah. The, the groups, yeah. for so we're all on the same page for some of the, uh, mm. the specific writ activities. <clears throat> my thought is, as soon as it becomes there's a, someone, someone inside, and the and the, and the guys are searching for someone mm. that's known to be inside, I almost yeah. think that should be right away. Mm-hmm. Giving mutual aid because yeah. we know for it's sure. Be, uh, e- yeah. Even if yeah. you know timing wise, that mutual aid uh, truck or trucks arrive and they just take over the fire suppression, and then all your guys hands on deck, because mm-hmm. whatever the scenario may be, but. Yeah, it's just one of those things we always have to keep in the back of our heads. I think we talked about that at a couple of practices or scenarios where we had something and we threw in a mutual aid call mm-hmm. in one of our scenarios. I can't remember what it was. but we When did. we had um, the uh, confined space and then the one up at the humidist there, I radioed in saying, because I think mm-hmm. whoever, whoever was up, up top, was saying we need you guys up here yeah, and yeah. I was like I'm not in a position to <laughs> give you any more manpower when we still have two people trapped you should be thinking about mutual aid because right, uh, yeah I mean it'd be great if I could peel off two more people but I mean what if we had someone go down now because yeah. I think with Steve was like actually you really only need two guys to do this I'm like yeah when it goes well <laughs> and as that's being said the uh, the hoist or whatever the, the rig broke yeah. So now we have to do a rope rescue off of her place we started to get ready for. <clears throat> Luckily, they had a spare, so we swapped that out in real time and still managed to complete the rescue. But, I mean, it works great with two people when everything works great. So Going back to the manpower issue, well, not issue, but when we're on a scene, we usually have somebody in the radio room. Hey, mm-hmm. Bob, mm-hmm. I got three guys. I got five guys here at yep. the hall. Do you need another truck? Right. So we do know that we've got that backup there. We can mm-hmm. say... Yeah, we need those guys. No, it's okay. Just stay at the hall just in case we get something else. Um, So there's that. But then, yeah, there is still the mutual aid. Yeah. And sometimes there's just some people that just can't leave work right at that moment and may not know the full scenario. So if you do a second alarm or third alarm and say, hey, this is what it's for, you might get, you know, another handful of guys showing up. Yeah. Yeah. But it shines a bit. It went well. I think so. I think overall, it was very well ran. The guys that were on scene did really, really good uh, from Bobby Rob um, to Scott's team initially, and then everybody else that came after that did really, really well. Um, we, were, we were rocking that. <laughs> we were, I'm not, not me, but like the team, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin and uh, Gus and Brett. They were pushing in hard. And they were, that was fast. 
they basically found they found the upstairs they extinguished part of the fire searched the hole downstairs was already upstairs found the patient just as the BIS team busted through the upper upper window that's how fast they were and they didn't miss a spot because I was because they had the thermal camera and I was watching them I was like you didn't miss anything did you because I didn't know where I didn't know where that's one thing Ashton told me where the patient was so mm-hmm. I didn't know where the patient was yeah. poor Bob probably hasn't even finished putting the Velcro on the command board it all happened so fast I had the friggin name stuck to my chest so, so I didn't even give it to Rob <laughs> oh no I had it on the truck still I didn't even because yeah. I jumped off the truck to talk to Rob and then I went in right away with the guys mm-hmm. so all the names are still on the truck I'm like oh, that's one thing and the accountability names yeah, I'm like ah yeah, yeah. I have to say the one thing that I think our guys are starting to get is uh, with that attack team is the doorman mm. yeah. not bumping up into the building but staying at the, door. Yeah, the door Brett was doing great hand commands of yeah. okay I got three guys yeah. in I got yeah. five guys in now when the RIT team went in yeah that's perfect yeah, um, so just and we were back and forth. Can you see those guys? Um, he was, you know, he was, he's, yeah. you know, good. Um, so, yeah, good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Door control, door, doorman work there. Yeah. That just tells you the story of the cohesiveness of the team, right? Like what you said, like seeing a newer firefighter grow so, so fast and on point right away, turning around, giving you those hand signals, and that's yeah. good. Really mm-hmm. good to see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, in a burn building, it's it's um, it's still dangerous. <laughs> it's not like we're uh, the scenario wasn't half assed. Like if we ran out of air in there, we ran out of air in there. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm, like, yeah, I, I'm very cautious at the whole time. I'm like holding my mask on. <laughs> they're done where they're moving me around. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is uh, you know, there's ten mm-hmm. guys in there, and we're all. Moving How dark was it when you guys were in there? Oh, it wasn't once we got the fan going. It cleared clear out, out. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. dark at first, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that was our other thing. Smoked, we didn't yeah, clear smell hay sandwich. Yeah, I smelled, it, I, mean, not, I smelled it later. I didn't smell it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it smoldering when I came around the corner. I was like, yeah. oh, there's a... Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to add another level of... Yeah. I know we got the fan name. going, but we didn't really coordinate a, an event. Well, I popped the... Uh, like when they were getting the fan going, yeah. I went over and popped a side window oh, okay. with my hand. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Bring glass. Bring glass in my hand. <laughs> it's it's a flap, right? So I flapped. Yeah. I use a flap. I open it. And then they uh, they pushed it in from there. Everybody did what they were asked for. Like, because I know I gave some information over the radio. You know, yeah. I said, okay, we're going to need a tender because you had said to me there's not going to be any hydrant. Mm-hmm. So we got a tender setting up. They asked where to set up. I said behind the truck. Uh, I said to the second truck rolling in, we're going to need a ladder. They got off the truck. They got a ladder. They got set up. Um, yeah, they got the ladder deployed quickly. Yeah. Um, had a chat about what was going to be going on there. Uh, but they deployed it quick, which, which was good. Which, like Bob was saying before, give the guys a job and you're focusing on yeah. other things. You know mm-hmm. that those guys are going to do that job. Mm-hmm. So when they asked, what do you need? I need a ladder for a VEIS. Yep. You knew they were yep. getting it set up, so. The only other thing I'd like to try to figure out still is uh, how do we differentiate between who's in the scenario and who is the yeah. safety guys. Because yeah, because Bob actually thought I was Bob when I came up from was talking Bob. He thought I was actually the training safety guy. Right. So then I took off and he didn't even know I was. <laughs> He's like, who's down? I, I didn't realize he was <laughs> part of the attack team. Yeah, I thought he was because uh, he saw me go in. And he thought it was with the yeah. 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 Um, we, so we, we we usually do that. We usually wear safety sure. vests, but in the yeah. burn building, I'm thinking I don't think the safety vests are going to hold up because they're yeah. probably going to melt to your freaking turn. So I don't want to put Andrew in there. Yeah. 
Um, so we need, uh, I was thinking like different color helmet, like for the first training night, have a, yeah. have a couple of helmets that we paint blue or something. Maybe know. a light, <laughs> specific color light or something. So you can be seen everywhere. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Hot pink. Hot pink. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. hang a camera right office. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's going to be well, safe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We have to figure something for that. Cause it's, it is hard in there. Cause actually I, at one point I'm like, what are you doing? Cause Andrew's standing there next to me. I'm like, get down. What are you doing? He's like, I'm like, Oh, you're the safety guy. You're the guy. I, yeah. I thought you were the, one of the attack team guys doing nothing. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think a helmet is probably your best bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Change yeah. some sort of like animation to it. Yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. Any more for any more? I did everyone. Everyone felt like it went good. Went well. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. 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 We learned some things from that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. Corey. Uh. Let's roll into the shout-outs. And Scott will start with... Actually, Rob's here. Rob, Motis. 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 <laughs> that's, Scott's, that's Scott's thing now. because you know, I, I actually didn't use my Motis the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. I was gonna think. I was like, "Oh, I can start using Modus to drag the hose in," and then I got killed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, sure, Modus. Um, you've heard the guys talk about the snaggers. Uh, they've got uh, wedges. They've got some soft wedges. They've got some cool. I want to say anodized aluminum wedges that you can get customized. Scott's got mm-hmm. one on the way, apparently. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that on the way? Is it it's on the way. So we have package set. It actually should be here any day. That's pretty cool. I keep seeing some ads for some of their mini spanner wrenches mm-hmm. uh, in a bag. That looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, great Canadian companies. So uh, I see that they were customizing, I think, a wedge or something, even with a U.S. flag on it. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So uh, to all you American listeners, uh, check them out and uh, purchase some of their gear. Uh, they have a code, uh, if you purchase DTFF5, and uh, yeah, give them some support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the ignition. Ignition USA, uh, the Sea uh, Rat Seattle rapid access tool uh, for uh, any time that you want to leave a premises secure when you depart, rather than busting the door down, which is more fun <laughs> every time. But if it's a a quick medical call, um. You know, sometimes having some better door control and being able to lock the premises behind you is a good thing. So uh, we've got some videos up on our YouTube. Um, they have some on their uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTubes as well. Uh, check that out if you like what you see there. DTFF 2020 for 20% off. Boom. Uh, Todd, stop the bleed. Stop the bleed.org. Uh, go online, check them out. Um, we talk a lot about the the, uh, the course content, and if you are an instructor, um, kind of how to uh, spice it up, do some high fidelity sims. Uh, it's very important to carry a tourniquet on your person, uh, the wrapper, uh, learn about some wound packing and uh, pe- uh, pressure techniques as well. Um, you can go on to our Facebook and YouTubes as well and check out the course and some of our ideas and the video content that we have done. And hopefully there'll be some instructors in your area doing some courses. You know, and I gotta say that soap for that um, blood demo mm-hmm. and the soap makes all the difference now. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, well, the first time I taught the uh, like I taught last week, and one of the uh, instructors that's been teaching stop the bleed with me, are you know we usually use like water kind of for the um, blood demo to you know to show what a lot of blood looks like on the ground. 
um, you know, 500 mil, uh, milliliters or half a liter, mm-hmm. and um, or a pint, I guess, is an American pint. Yeah. So we show, we go through all that, which is in that video. Um, and in the video, I used soap. I used I used some dish soap, and I was like, oh. Works away, but. Yeah, so yeah, then yeah, I, I got some, I showed it to him, and he's like, because he actually walked around the corner, because he was doing something else. He walked around the corner, I was teaching the class, and I'm like, He's like, whoa! <laughs> He's like, that's the best thing ever! <laughs> and then we were out in kind of a public area, like a big city, in a public area. These people are walking by the street going, like, what are those guys doing over there? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of food coloring in there. It's, yeah, a little uh, food coloring. It's nice soap. and coagulated. Yeah. 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 And it smelled like uh, grapefruits. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which my blood does not smell like grapefruits. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, stop the bleeding. Absolutely. Uh, Scott Tanner. Tanner's band, uh, Canadian music, Canadian music, Canadian country music. <laughs> yeah. It's not Canadian music, that's Tom and Tom. <laughs> um, country music, who happens to be Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, out of, uh, Vancouver area. Check them out on Spotify and on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have us. Uh, we just want to say a big thank you. Our YouTube channel page has been going up, all the views, etc. Um, they, uh, we've got a lot more subscribers. Again, our, our views have gone way up. Uh, we actually have an ad out at the moment. We've just gone up over 5,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, we're around that kind of 5,100 mark, which is brilliant. We appreciate it very, very much. And uh, yeah, if you are continuing to listen and enjoy what we are putting out, we not only appreciate your time, but we'd love it if you wouldn't mind just popping over, giving us a little review, and uh, if you can as well, just give us a rating on whatever app you are listening to us on. It definitely helps get us in front of more people, and uh, yeah, then we can share our experiences with them too, and hopefully create more connections and build more relationships to get those people on and spread their stories as well. So, as long as they're not weird, as long as they're not yeah. weird, let's go with caveat. Any more for any more, gents? No, sir. Don't think so. Well, good. Thanks for the invite. Chief. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Chief. Always welcome. Always welcome. Rock to. Good. (laughs) Rock to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm good. You should come more often, too. You should. Mm -hmm. should. Absolutely. It's always fun. Gentlemen. Ash. Thank you. Todd. Thank you. Good night. Scott. Good night. Bob. Good night. Good morning. Goodbye. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. (laughs) 